It's a dangerous business, Frodo, going out your door, he used to say. You step into the road and you don't know where your feet might carry you. There's no telling where you might be swept off to. Frodo, of course, quoting Uncle Bilbo. You know, there's something about the road, about the journey of life that takes us out of the status quo, that breaks us from monotony and tests our convictions. And when we go on a journey, whether it's a vacation or a pilgrimage or just a twist and turn in life, by God's grace, it often brings us back home with new perspective and stronger faith and a stronger sense of place. Part of what makes a journey so formative is that it almost never goes as planned. Think of a camping trip or a backpacking trip, or a road trip. Have you ever not been surprised by something? Maybe it's a particularly beautiful view that you, that you glimpse, or, or, or a wild animal on a camping trip that was just so majestic. Have you ever gone on a trip like that and not had some negative, unexpected twist, like the sole of your hiking boot falling off, Jen and Corey on separate trips, uh, a flat tire on a road trip, or a delay if you've taken an airplane? Come on especially if you fly American. Go Alaska all the way. This is not an infomercial. The experience of unexpected beauty and joy, the experience of unexpected challenge and suffering, it's what shapes us the most, much more than just a boring trip that goes exactly as planned, although as a one Enneagram, that's all I long for, just to go as planned. Anyway, the biblical authors And the followers of Jesus who follow those biblical authors over the centuries all seem to frame human life in the metaphor of a pilgrimage or a journey. But you don't actually have to leave home to be on a spiritual pilgrimage. I mean, you don't even have to go on a trip to find the joys and challenges, suffering and pain. You just have to live long enough to experience a little bit of life. For example, everyone, I would guess, over the age of four, maybe, will likely have some sort of shared memory of 2020 and 2021 because of the global pandemic. I mean, this is a journey. The pandemic has been a massive, unforeseen obstacle in all of our lives' journey. It has caused anxiety and fear and isolation sickness and death and loss of jobs and loss of opportunity. And each of us has shared in a common suffering, but also each of us has had a unique perspective on that suffering. So take example, a, a person who lives alone would have a different experience of the pandemic than a person who has a, a, a large family unit or a large household. And, and a person who has a healthy living situation will have a different experience with the pandemic from a person who has an unhealthy family situation or housing situation. Shared experience on the one hand, unique experience on the other, all of us sharing in some way. And we've had a year, over a year, of unexpected obstacles on the journey of life. There are no easy answers for what we're supposed to do with our feelings? What are we supposed to do with our joys and sorrows and pain and exhaustion? And I am weary 
of oversimplified quips and one-liners that masquerade as faith. Thankfully, the scriptures are brutally honest with a full range of human emotions. The scriptures show us a God who is at home with joy, sorrow, complaint, praise, frustration, comfort. The scriptures in general call us to experience reality in four ways. So note takers, get ready. Here are the four things we're going to be looking at. The scriptures encourage us to be honest with our experience. To be honest with our experience. They call us to repent where we need to repent. To repent where we need to repent. To be thankful where we can be thankful. To be thankful where we can be thankful. And finally, to trust God for final outcomes. The scriptures invite us to trust God for final outcomes. Now this evening, we're going to look at Psalm 121. And this psalm has been a familiar friend to me because it helps me keep in touch with these four callings of scripture. It invites me to be honest with my experience of reality It reveals to me areas I need to repent. It reminds me to be thankful for what I can be thankful for, and it encourages me to trust in God for final outcomes. Now, I want to walk through this psalm with you today in hopes that it can be a help for all of us, individually and collectively, to process our lives in faith in God. So I'll read the psalm, and then we'll walk through it together. Here is Psalm 121. I will lift up my eyes to the mountains. From where shall my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to slip. He who keeps you will never slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun will not smite you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will protect you from all evil. He will keep your soul. The Lord will guard your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forever. To get the most out of Psalm 121, it's important to know that this psalm is part of a smaller collection even within the book of Psalms. It's part of a collection called the Psalms of Ascent. And many scholars have pointed out or postulated that the Psalms of Ascent may have been songs that Jewish pilgrims would have sung during their travels to Jerusalem for the three major festivals of the year, Passover and Pentecost and Tabernacles. And so the idea is that people might travel to Jerusalem from up to hundreds of miles away in little communities, picking up stragglers as they go for these festivals, singing these songs in community. These are people that would have left their crops, left their homes, left, left their lives. They've, they've sacrificed to come and worship the living God. They're traveling through dangerous mountain passes and rocky roads. And this background information is important because when we read the psalm, we aren't just to focus on these as the words of an individual psalmist. 
were to imagine this sung by a community of people going in the same direction. And that, to me, sounds a lot like a church, a group of diverse people going in generally the same direction. We might be, all of us here, on the journey for different reasons, in different stages of life, with different personal baggage, amen? We've all got that. Um, But we're all headed, in general, toward Jesus. If you didn't know that and you're like, I I don't want to go there, sorry, that's where we're going. So (laughs) that's where we're going as a community, toward Jesus. Thank you. That might be actually one of the few things we have in common. We're pretty weird people. I'm a pretty weird guy. Someone reminds me all the time. Weirdest dad in the world, right, girl? Okay, so one of the few things we have in common is that we're headed toward Jesus. Okay, so how does Psalm 121 help us to be honest with our lived experience? How does it help us to repent where we need to repent? How does it help us be thankful where we can be thankful? And how does it help us trust God for final outcomes? Well, let's take each of these in turn. Psalm 121 helps us to be honest with our experience because it just flat out names the terrain. It does not sugarcoat the experience. You know, before the Roman Empire built their massive expansions of road systems, these pilgrims followed these small footpaths over rocky terrain to sprain an ankle, to break a leg. I want want you to think, if if you've ever traveled with older people or with small people on just an airplane trip or a road trip and one person gets sick, one person, you know what I'm saying? Like, now imagine going 100 miles with, people, and you sprain an ankle 50 miles in. There's no clinic, right? There's, you might be 10 miles from the next water hole. I mean, this is perilous journeying. They are in very real danger. Bandits hid in narrow, rocky places when they're going through a pass, common for people to overpower others to steal what little they could get. So when people are walking on this pilgrimage toward Jerusalem and they're singing, I lift my eyes up to the mountains, from where will my help come from? They're crying out, they're naming it out loud, the intimidating road that they're upon. The journey of faith, simply to be a pilgrim on this road toward Jerusalem for the original singers and pilgrims was a sacrifice. They're leaving their homes, their crops, their productivity. There's no such thing as paid vacation. Most of these people are subsistence, subsistence farmers or, or shepherds or, or, or people that work with their hands. If they're not building stuff and selling it because they're on this pilgrimage, they're not making any money. Obedience and worship is costly. And then the psalm mentions the sun and the moon. These were always factors in the ancient world. Uh, the sun, of course, because it is hot in Israel. And, and just uh, as exposure to the sun could be dangerous, it was believed in the ancient world that too much exposure to the moon was dangerous as well, spiritually. Uh, that's where we get the word lunacy from. And there was in ancient um, medical manuals that too much moon could cause moonstroke. Besides just the heat and the fear of what the moon might do to you, the sun and the moon represented 24 hours. There's not a time of a person's existence when they're not either under the watchful eye of the sun 
or under the influence of the moon. And so what this is saying is it's a whole person's life. And so the psalm encourages us to just name the hardships that we're going through, the fears and the worries, the challenges of reality. And I would say that any religion that encourages us to hide our feelings or to pretend that everything is okay all the time is a false religion. Any religion that encourages us to pretend that everything is okay all the time when it's not really okay, I would say is a false religion. After all, we serve a God in Jesus who says that when we mourn, we're blessed. When we mourn over the state of the world, we're blessed. And when we hunger and thirst for righteousness, ours is the kingdom of heaven. And at, when we're at the end of our ropes, our personal resources, he says, blessed are the poor in spirit. This is not a religion or a God that covers up hard things in life. So you can be honest with the terrain of your life. He can handle it. The psalm invites us to challenge the psalmist as well when he writes that God won't allow your foot to slip or God never slumbers or God will protect you from all evil. It says that in Psalm 121 and I think we're invited to say, well, it sure seems like you're sleeping on me lately. It sure seems like evil is happening all around me. It's okay to ask those questions. God, it seems like you're absent sometimes. I look to the mountains. Where, indeed, will my help come from? And if you ever have fears and doubts, anger, frustration at the way things are going, you are not an outlier. You are not one in a million. You're not doing Christianity wrong. You are in the good company of the faithful. Rejoice. You're not alone. But Psalm 121 doesn't just stop there. It doesn't only encourage us to be honest. See, honesty is a starting point. And if we keep going down the road of honesty, to speak for myself, then I start to look in the mirror a little bit. And I start to realize ways that I am part of the problem of my own mess and the mess of the world. And I dare say, you are too. And so this honesty leads to the second piece where we start to realize our, our part in the mess. And it encourages us to repent where we need to repent. So tucked away in the meaning of the first two lines of this psalm, there's a detail that's obscured to us that would have been a little more obvious to the original hearers and chanters of this, of this psalm. I lift my eyes up to the mountains. From where will my help come from? In the ancient world, mountaintops, hilltops, tops of ancient trees, these were places where idolatry took place, where false gods and goddesses were worshipped in hopes that they could bring good fortune and protection. So when these pilgrims are walking and chanting, I lift my eyes up to the mountains, from where does my help come from? We're invited to reflect upon the ways that we've looked for help perhaps outside of the realm of God and Jesus and the ways prescribed to us by Scripture. You know how it is. Life gets hard. And God doesn't seem to be paying attention. And we know we're supposed to wait on the Lord, but we get fearful 
and we start to suffer and we want help now. And so we look to sources, other focal points to build our lives around that we think can, can offer what God is lacking. And so we say, Jesus is Lord. But we work sometimes, some of us, as if career is Lord. Or we play as if pleasure was Lord. Or we pick and choose what we like about Scripture as if our opinions about Scripture were Lord. And we say Jesus is Savior. But sometimes it's easier to lack generosity and to hoard our resources as if our own financial security was our Lord. And we say Jesus is the Prince of Peace, but Maybe we turn to substance abuse to numb our pain or distractions in life so that we don't have to deal with the hard stuff. And we say, we're loyal to you, Jesus, in your kingdom. But we see too many in the church throw their lot in with one political party or another as if those solutions are going to bring the kingdom. The stresses and pain of the journey are real. The temptation to look at these lures of false saviors is not only powerful, it's sometimes it's irresistible. And so we're invited to check ourselves and to repent and to name our rebellion and to come clean before the Lord. I can tell you this, he's gracious, forgiving. He's not going to chastise you for coming clean. It's a gracious invitation. One thing about the journey of life is that while it's filled with obstacles and pain, it's also amazingly full of beauty and grace if we look for it. And Psalm 121 helps us to be thankful where we can be thankful. So for these Jewish pilgrims, imagine them walking over these stony paths, vast distances. It would be tempting, wouldn't it, to be focused on the hardship. But also, just expand your mind. Pretend that we, people who know each other pretty well, who, who love one another, we're going on a journey like that. I would have to imagine that on a journey like that, people are encouraging one another that they've, they've received encouragement simply from being together. By having traveling companions, just company can be encouraging. To have people sharing in the singing of these psalms of faith is an encouragement to one another, just like I was encouraged moment ago, moments ago singing with you. And in our context, let's, let's take the pandemic for a minute because it's low-hanging fruit and it's happening to us. Uh, it's tempting simply to focus on how horrible it is. And Psalm 121 encourages us, right, to be real with our hard experiences, but our reality probably also includes unexpected graces as well. So what are some of the graces that you've experienced over the past year? Did you learn something new about yourself that you actually liked? Did you receive encouragement or help from someone what would it look like to take the encouragements, the acts of beauty, the kindness, the grace, anything good you've received, what would, it, what would it look like mentally to think about those things and then to say, I'm going to receive that as a provision from God, as a grace from God. When someone else was kind to me or supported me or encouraged me or when 
the sunset was just so beautiful the other day, or the sunrise, if you're a morning person like me, uh, what would it look like to just receive that as God's gift to us in the midst of a hard time? How has God come through for you in the past year? Finally, Psalm 121 encourages us to trust God for the final good outcomes of all of life. Six times in eight verses, we encounter the word keep, keeps, guard, or protects, or one of those derivatives. Same Hebrew word, different little endings. And one of the things that has helped me most in interpreting this psalm over the years is to remember that Jesus himself would have probably sung this psalm in a group of pilgrims marching toward Jerusalem as he grew up as a little boy. And he probably would have sung this psalm as a young man and as a teacher with his own disciples. And you sing these songs long enough, they get in your heart, they get in your mind. And I imagine that Jesus would have known this song, singing it, knowing that his life would not be fully kept from harm, not be fully kept from evil. I imagine Jesus having the truth of the psalm in his heart and at the same time saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me when he hung on that cross to die for our sins and the redemption of all creation? We're not the only ones who live in the paradox of of a God who says, I protect and the real evils of the world. Jesus lived it too, and that's why, that's why I can trust in this. Because death doesn't have the last word. Yahweh, the living God, the one who keeps us, the one who guards, the one who preserves our very lives, Jesus is able to endure because of what he believed about God, that God would keep him and and ultimately bring him to new life. And the resurrection of Jesus shows that this is true. And so Psalm 121 can grant us hope and peace even in hard times because God truly is the keeper of our lives, our past and our present and our future. Would you pray with me? Living God, thank you for this one psalm, let alone all the psalms that have something to say to us not just information for our brains, but good news that can reach our hearts. Thank you for the full spectrum of a psalm like this that encourage us to be honest with our raw confusion and anger and pain and sorrow. It gives us room to repent. It encourages us to look at the beauty of the world, at the grace at the same time. And it gives us hope in Christ that you will redeem us and all things in your good and gracious way. I pray for my sisters and brothers and I that you would fill us with hope and resolve because of who you are. Amen.